Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. My name is Jared Waters. I'm your host, two-time wrestling champion, stand-up comedian. Uh, welcome back. Before we start, this podcast is sponsored by Old Hillside and Bourbon Company, ladies and gentlemen. Old Hillside Bourbon Company is a bourbon company created out of love for bourbon, a friendship, karate, the idea of spending quality time, great conversation, enjoying good spirits brought this team together. Our vision is fueled with optimism, integrity, and sense of responsibility to build a successful household of bourbon brands so people can cherish and love. Our story is unique. We are a collective of a group of individuals from different career backgrounds. This is our strength as we're able to apply professional experiences to provide unmatched service to our customers. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is sponsored by Old Hillside Bourbon Company. And a lot of people are asking us about how to get the bottles. Uh, right now, you can go to their website, uh, Old Hillside Bourbon Company, or you can go to their Facebook page. And right now, you're putting there, have like having the barrels in and stuff like that. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, we're back with the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to everyone who emailed us about episodes hundreds. Everyone told us the episode they loved. And shoot, I forgot. Sometimes I forgot about the episodes. I didn't forget, but sometimes when you spend a whole bunch of hours with these people and stuff like that, it's a whole it's a whole level of different experience. Uh, our producer, Gary McCall, he's the one that made those beats. So shout out to him. Uh, shout out to everybody in us about Scott Monahan, and I say that all the time. This dude has a girlfriend, but his body is sexy. Uh, <laughs> uh, everyone asking us about Carla. Uh, Carla's doing well. All the people, you know, I try to check in on once a week, or you know, actively look through their 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 social media to see how they're doing and stuff like that. Maybe I should just text them. That'll be a whole lot easier. <laughs> and also, happy Pride Month to everyone celebrating Pride Month. If you're not aware, this is Pride Month in New York City. The month of June is Pride Month, so shout out to everybody with Pride. Uh, my cousin uh, Shawana, one of my cousins Jermaine, they're all a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And we would like to say uh, Happy Pride Month to you guys. Uh, I would like to read a status about my friend Gus. Gus is a stand-up comedian, Castanelli. He is a stand-up comedian, and he talked about like what Pride Month means to him. And I'll read two posts about what Pride means to certain people. Gus. Constanelius. He's Greek, Greek stand-up comedian. Here we go. Dude, I can tell you how sick I am of hearing straight comedians or bookers say being gay is not a big deal anymore. Or I just don't get why all the material has to do with being gay. Let me tell you why. He goes, I posted a video about my mother teaching my boyfriend Greek and I got called the F word, retarded, sissy all week. That's it. Uh, that was a video. I wasn't wearing high heels. I wasn't sh- putting glitter out of my butt. It's Celia Harmon's video. And here's a word of advice to straight comedians. Every time I go and do a road gig, I have two separate sets prepared. One of the sets is, I don't give a F. I'm gay. I'm going to say whatever I have to say. And the other set is, with the crowd is homophobic, I got to switch up gears. And every time I do a gig outside of NYC, there's a little voice in the back of my head thinking, be careful, someone might kill you. Straight comedians, straight comedians don't even have to do that. You don't have to worry and... Excuse me, you don't have to worry, and I'm sorry because I feel a fear inside my bones that actually death can happen. I can't sit there and write my jokes out on airplanes. Next time you make a stupid homophobic remark, you should remember yourself. What have gay people ever done to you? Literally nothing, and yet I get called the F word since I was five years old. For what? Like Britney Spears? Give me a break. Some straight people, not all people, have been nothing but hateful towards my effing life. Oh, and one thing, to all the club bookers that didn't want to book me because I was too gay or whatever the F, I'm making more money doing comedy than your stupid effing club. Anyways, happy Pride Month. Uh, Shout out to Gus. I saw Gus last night. Uh, We're doing the show at Sour Mauer, and I told him happy Pride Month, and I saw that post. And um, 
it's so enlightening, you know, now. I feel like people keep saying there's more gay people. Now it's like more people are, are just out and be, just don't give enough who they are anymore and being accepted of who you are. I think that's the most important thing. And I want to read another post before we discuss this. And this is from uh, one of my, my little homies, uh, Kiera Tobier, right? She's black. This is Gus is white. This is from Black Black Pride Month. I just like writing. This is their community. We want to tolerate this. Happy Pride Month, friends and family. Not sure if I say this enough, but as much as I am to be proud to be black, I am proud to be a lesbian. And history has shown us that us identifying as both can lead me to experience of hatred, judgment, and ignorance, even possible violence or death. History has also shown us that black queers have been continuously marginalized and banned from certain pride celebrations and privileges that our white queer community members throw often and benefit from. Those facts and couples with the fact that I grew up in an environment where other black queers simply did not exist or openly identify themselves as much led me to believe a great space, uh, excuse me, let me to believe it create a safe space for other black queer women like myself and all efforts and passion and necessity. While I've been blessed for a supportive village, my mom, my brother, uh, and my stepdad, who have all been who all have been wonderful and made me feel less than complete, have made me feel less than completely accepted and loved. Most black queer women cannot say the same. Pride Month is more than just a chance for major corporations to change their company logos and performance. But it's also a way to identify for a woman who identifies as queer and feel a moment of peace and freedom for her own inside her sexuality. And that should be celebrated with us, not question or challenge. More than likely, you have been someone in your family who identifies as queer, and more than likely they have been a safe place enough for them to tell you. So this year's Pride Celebra- Celebration Month, I challenge those who don't understand LGBTQIA plus community to educate yourselves and show up for local Pride celebrations and support and create a safer environment for queer folks in your life to exist and be celebrated. Those actions can be literally mean something and change someone's life to them to exist on earth. To learn more about what it means to be both black and queer in today's society and why it's so important for black queer women like myself to have a community accepted by visiting the platform Love by Her or Them. And that was uh, Kimberly, that was, excuse me, Kier, Tobier. So um, it's very, it's very eye-opening when you get testimonies. And the reason why I love social media is because we live in a society where we get to, where people get to literally peel themselves back. It, you know, for a second, and show their, you know, what's, what's their life like. Because sometimes you're just liking pictures, you know, or you're laughing at a funny status or whatever. But I never knew this. She grew up, we grew up in the Netherlands together, and uh, she was more my, my baby sister, my sister's Candace's friend, but I didn't, I didn't know she was uh, queer at all. But after I read the post, I'm like, man, I'm glad she had a support system, you know. My cousin Shawana, she grew up, and we knew she was gay the whole time. And, uh, I was curious to ask her, like, how she felt being in our family, being in the South and everything else. But I remember my cousin, Jermaine Perry, uh, he was gay in the 90s, early in the 90s, and he used to wear an earring in his right ear. And I remember people at my basketball games asking, like, yo, is he gay? And I was like, so what? What if, what if he is? Who cares? You know, and I guess sometimes we have to get to that point where, you know, and there's some ignorant people in society, but, you know, this month is to celebrate the people inside that community. So if you're looking for somewhere to go and if you want to learn more about that community, you can go to them.com or lovebyher.com if you want to learn more. So happy Pride Month to the people celebrating Pride Month. Uh, yeah, which brings me to uh, some sad news. Uh, you know, as we all scroll through social media, you know, sometimes we scroll. Some people take a break. They think it's toxic, whatever. 
uh, we want to say rest in peace, uh, my friend Brittany Crawford. Uh, she's not dead, but uh, her husband passed away and her dad passed away like three weeks prior. So we're just going to read this. You know, this is from her life. Um, May 15th, she lost her father. From our, our first moments together to our last, you've been the best daddy I've ever had. I love you, Papa. You're the best, Papa. I'm so hurt. I love you, Daddy, always. Right? And this happened May 15th. And then her husband passed away uh, six days ago. Actually, seven days, seven days ago. So her husband passed away two weeks later after her father. And we'll just read this. She goes, babe, we did it. You did it, and I'm so proud of you. We had goals. We made it happen. We got to grow up together, experience the world together, buy and build a home together. Your positivity, your outward look, your love was always one of a kind. I know how much you loved your family and those considered your friends. The long conversations you had with them were filled with laughter and encouraging words. You left an impact on everyone you met. Oh, you will truly be missed. Your presence, your light will always be missed, but your energy, your spirit, is all strongly felt. You were a great husband, son, friend, cousin, nephew, and such a great father. The kids will continue to grow knowing your love, and I continue to grow and accomplish our dreams. I love you so much. I can't wait to see you again. Love your wife, Brittany. And man, that uh, uh, and that that f that f me up, man. That f me up completely, dog. Like some things that happen to other people you can't imagine happening to you right like death back to back you know you lose your father and they have three i think fourth kid they have four kids a little backstory and i met Brittany. i met her when i was like 15 when i was 15 or 16 so what 20 i don't how 20 years ago i don't that might be i don't know how i retired but um i remember we were just always liking each other's statuses saying ha 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 you know you know, and I was just about to ask her to get on the podcast, but definitely not going to ask her now for what she's going through. But I can't even imagine. Sometimes you don't even know what to say when you see something like that, right? I just said, you know, rest in peace, my condolences. But I was like, man, I can't imagine what she's going through. Just lose your father, then the love of your life like that. So we want to say prayers up to her, man. Prayers up to Brittany. I pray that, you know, she gets through this. You know, and hopefully she has a good support system around her. Her husband's in the military, so... You know, rest in peace to that, man. So sometimes, you know, I, I get it. When people go through social media, sometimes you could get hit with different emotions by reading certain things. But we want to say rest in peace. Other things that I saw this week on social media, uh, my friend Jackie Street, her son Xavier graduated from high school. Holy F, man. And the, her son is 18 years old. That's wild to me. I remember her being 14, being pregnant in high school. <laughs> And having that, having that baby, and now he's 18. It makes me realize, man, I should have had all my kids when I was, I know I say that all the time, but I should have had all my kids when I was 14, man, because I know they'd be 18 right now. We could chill and do stand-up together. But uh, uh, her her baby boy graduated high school, which is just so dope. Uh, what else? I see my homie Amy. Uh, I love seeing her post with her son. She's raising a young king. Sometimes it's so amazing just seeing the people that you grow up just living life and doing life, you know? All right, so let's get to these emails, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, okay, da 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 da. Okay, so this Tuesday, this Tuesday we'll be dropping episode one hundred and two, ladies and gentlemen. And this episode is with my friend Sufa Friedman. Sufa Friedman is uh, she's like a financial planner. I met her in New York City, but she's based out of Israel now. So we'll be interviewing her. Uh, the people emailing us about the. <laughs> 
uh, the One Tree Hill episodes. I promise I'm going to be knocking those out. And uh, one of them was like, what's New York City like? So New York City is completely open, right? We're open. Like, there's a there's not really a curfew. We're like 70% open, meaning that, like, comedy clubs are completely open. And I guess I didn't realize how busy you can get inside New York City as a stand-up comedian, right? During this pandemic, I was doing maybe doing, you know, 20 shows a week or whatever. And now I'm up to, like, like 40, you know? Like last night, I got home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I keep forgetting. Now there's midnight spots now. And the scene is completely changing in stand-up comedy. Someone asked me, like, how's the stand-up comedy in New York? It's going good. What has happened now is there's a wave of comedians who left New York City for their respective reasons, and now they're back in New York City, so now it's turned into a war zone, right? But what's happened is all the people who are in this bubble, like we say the NBA, the bubble, have risen up, right? So now I'm past it four, I think I'm past it like five clubs now. So, but the only problem is now these are called club spots. Now a club spot, you have a specific time because everyone in New York City does showcase spots, right? 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever time you do it. So if you're at 1120, Right, you have to be at the spot at eleven twenty because if you don't make your spot, the show will be over because everyone has a specific spot. So what's hard now is that you have to stagger your time because I'm doing outdoor shows as well, but I got the club shows too, and sometimes outdoor shows don't start on time, so I have to give myself like a forty-five minute cushion to make it there. So my Uber is over in this lift here, bouncing every there. So it's it's amazing, and a lot of people ask me like, how do you have the time to do that, man? It's like a lot of comments like, yo, Jared, stop doing all these shows. Let me tell you something. I remember when I wasn't booked in this city. I remember when I moved to New York City from Florida, and I didn't know anybody, right? That's not a problem. I, I can go anywhere and meet people. I'm not a problem the way I live, the way I grew up. I was always moving every three years, so that's not a problem. But in stand-up in New York City, like when you don't know anybody, it's like you got to network. You know, you got to network. You got to prove yourself. You got to go to open mics. And once you develop, you know, and you have your network, then you can start doing shows, right? And but what's really been grinding my graham crackers now is that, um, so, you know, a lot of shows in a week, people are walking up to me, like younger comedians, and not even younger comedians, just sometimes people being ignorant, asking me, like, hey, how do I get as many shows as you? And I'm like, and sometimes I get offended, like, excuse what the F are you talking about, dog? Well, like, I'm trying to get booked more. I was like, so be funny. Well, well, I was like, and you got to, and you got to, you know, you have to just be out here, dog. Like, you, you're talking about me four years into the city putting in my time year one I was like were you guys ever at two o'clock in the morning at Bunga's Den trying to do an, a show and only three people were there you know do you remember driving all the way to Long Island for three for two, th- three hours there and a one three, an hour and a half there then an hour and a half back to do 15 minutes right for a burger right like you got to put the time in dog you got to put the time in and pay your dues it seems easy now it was easy in the swamp it was easy during the pandemic, because there wasn't that many shows, so everyone felt like I can go to another one. So now the scene is completely open. So the people who were not players yet, if they didn't take advantage of this opportunity, they got left behind. So now it's, it's like a swamp. So now it's just like I'm doing five shows a night, and I'm like, here we go. So five times seven, there goes thirty-five, give or take a zoom or two. So we we're up to like forty, right? And my goal was to do five hundred shows, and right now I'm at three. <laughs> I'm at three hundred right now. Which is crazy, right? Like, I did 240 in a whole year last year. This is the most I've ever been on stage. And uh, it's it's amazing. And now, um, like I said, this, this comedian, I do a show with, like, um, I'll just talk about Matthew Benjamin, Matthew Aravalo, and Mike Lee. Right? So these are the people I do a show with. So me and Matthew Aravalo, we do a show called Trading Day Comedy. 
if you listen to the past episodes, people ask like, "What's he like now?" And now he's he's always been beast mode. You know, I saw this kid when he was 15. Now he's 20 in, in the city. He's hilarious. He's one of the funniest comedians below the age of 20 inside New York City. His problem is since he's so young, it gets in his head, and you know he gets nervous and stuff like that. But uh, recently, his girlfriend—I uh, want to say his girlfriend—she broke up with him, right? And so now he's starting to understand, like, oh, I'm hungry again. So he's talking to this chick, and he goes, "Jared, I'm gonna bring her by." And I was like, "All right, let me let me see what she looks like." And I'm like, "Well, that's son." I said, "Whoa, son, that's a that's a that's a lot of that's a that's that's a lot of, that's a lot of that's a that's a lot, brother." <laughs> and uh, he goes, "Yeah, I know." He's all excited. "Yeah, I know, man." I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm telling him, I was like, "You can't." I said, "She's 24. He's 20." I was like, "You gotta think she's a woman, man. She's a young woman who's lived a life, right?" So you can't be too aggressive with her. I mean, aggressive meaning that trying to like kiss her and try to do everything else. I was like, "You gotta, you gotta get to know her." And he's so young. I'm, like, what? I'm getting. I'm not sure what her favorite color is. I was like, "No, you gotta get to know her." Do you know where she lives? Do you know where she's from? Do you know what she's studying in school? Do you know what her mother does? And he goes, no, I don't ask those questions. I said, yeah. He said, but she asks me all these questions. I said, because she's a woman, dog. That's what happens. But uh, I don't know how I tell this story. I was just, I'm proud of him now because now Matthew's at the comedy clubs and he's killing. And people are starting to see what I saw in him. Just like, he's always been like that. He's always been a funny kid. So now he's at comedy clubs. He's killing. And sometimes when you're a young person doing what you love and older people are seeing you rise in front of them, you kind of feel like he, Jay, like Matthew's only getting things because he knows Jared Waters. I was like, no, Matthew's getting it because he's freaking, he's, he's great. He's a young kid. And there's another dude I do a show with, Matthew Benjamin, right? Matthew Benjamin, completely different Matthew. Uh, we did a show Wednesday night. He didn't have to have some, what, a good set. We're sitting in the car because I'm driving him back home. I don't have to, but I'm driving him back home. He's asking about a set, and I told him, I was like, you don't get enough stage time. He goes, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> That's how he sounds. And I'm telling him, I was like, you, I was like, look, dog. I was like, you have to baptize yourself into stand-up comedy. Once you baptize it, when you go all in, and you put all your passion inside of it, and you start hitting open mics, you start doing everything else, you will get better because you are going to see things that you're not experienced to. I see like, now I don't get phased on stage because I was in a pandemic. I've done shows with three people in the snow. I've done shows when a dog attacked me or a dog's barking at me. I was like, you have to limit the distractions. And once you do that, you can feel a crowd getting tight on you. You have to have a joke to supplement that. So everything else. So now it's like I trained little Matthew, and now there's a bigger Matthew, Mike Lee. But I'm proud of both of them. They're both getting better. Day by day, our shows are getting good. We have a show called Comedy Night Live, which happens every Sunday night at Belladonna's Pizza in Astoria. And we have another show, Comedy Night Live, at RPM. That is on 54th Street and Broadway, off Broadway. It's a karaoke bar. So once you pay for the stand-up show, you get free karaoke. So that's a, a deal. I'll put the link in the bio if you guys are ever looking. So if you ever go to my link tree, that's it. And I want to play a clip. This transitions to the clip that this uh, this woman sent me. She goes, Jared, have you watched this clip yet? And uh, I have, this is about Cat Williams uh, talking about cancel culture. We're going to play this clip, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you they make it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes the out of bounds, but the out of bounds got to be there. Or you'll run up in the stands, right? Mm. So some of these things are for the benefit of everything. Nobody likes the speed limit, but it's necessary. Nobody likes the shoulder of the road, but it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, my point is, uh, weren't all that extremely funny back when they could say whatever they wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, there's no cancel culture. 
cancellation doesn't have its own culture. That was people of color. That was us policing our own culture. That was people without a voice being trashed by people just because they had a bigger name than them and more money than them and a better office than them. They could sweep them up under the rug like they didn't matter. I don't know what people we think got canceled that we wish we had back. I don't even know who the, who are they. Mm. It, it's done for the reasons it's done for, and it helped who it helped. Um, if all that's going to happen is we have to be more sensitive in the way that we talk, isn't that what we want anyway? I'm saying your job as a comedian is to please the most amount of people with your art. So if you want to offend somebody, nobody took those words away from you. Mm-hmm. Dirty bitch ain't been taken away. You can say that, but <laughs> don't call somebody this word when you know this affects all of these people. Don't use the R word when you really mean people on the spectrum. Don't mm-hmm. don't say yeah. this word instead of saying autistic. Don't say this word instead of saying little people. Look, if these are the confines that keep you from doing the craft God put you to, then That's it probably ain't for you. You're telling That's me. Yeah, that was Cat Williams, man, talking about cancel culture. And it's so amazing watching how Cat Williams grow. Like, I'm a, I'm a stand-up freaking nerd, man. I've been wanting to do stand-up since I was, like, 14 years old, man. I remember when uh, everyone was downloading Napster and LimeWire, I downloaded Napster and downloaded every single stand-up comedy album. I have, like, maybe, like, over 200 comedy albums that I've heard. I heard jokes, everything else. When people tell jokes, I can know where they come from. I remember all that stuff. And I would say this. You know, I think Cat Williams makes a really good point about people asking, like, are you afraid to be canceled? I feel like, no, I'm not afraid to be canceled, man. Sometimes you just got to, if you're trying to hurt somebody, that's, you know, if you're saying things to hurt somebody, that's probably what happened. But I think you could say anything you want, you know? You can say anything. There's consequences for, for your actions. And I think that it's it's unique how people get canceled. Like, we're talking about Chrissy Teigen how they found us some tweets in 2011 when she's, like, telling a girl to die and all that other stuff. And I was like, can people grow? I think people can grow, you know? It is ironic that I think everybody's mean in a point. I was like, I'm a living example of, you listen to my stand-up, of a person who used to be a dog who changed and changed his ways, you know? But it's just like, I had to be that person that I was, and I had to understand, and I had to grow to be the man that I am now. You know, and I think that comes with growth. Like when people talk like Eddie Murphy's old stand-up, I was like, he was 18. He was 19, of course, a 19-year-old thinks like that. Shoot, I was doing stand-up when I was 19. When I watched the stuff that I used to say, it was freaking wild. I could not believe the stuff that I was saying, but I was in college. I was young. That's what, you know, young people do. But I, I really, truly praise Cat Williams, and thank you to, uh, uh, what is it, Rebecca for sending us that. Shout-out to Rebecca. She emailed us like, what do you think about this clip? Uh, thank you. Uh, another clip is like how we do with subscribers. We have third, we have we have up to five thousand listeners, three thousand. A lot of people don't just subscribe. A lot of people just listen. So we get a an account. We got the producers in the studio telling me how many people that we got. So we're doing good. We're doing good on this podcast. Uh, Lakers are gone. Oh, text me now. Shout out to my dog Cam Cooper. Where we feel sorry for you. The Lakers have been eliminated, and I love the Lakers, man. I uh, I uh, I'm more of a Shaq fan. But I really wanted LeBron James to get six rings or get five 
and play with his son. But it seems like now the Brooklyn Nets might just take it all. I don't know what the NBA should do, man. KAD's soft as baby powder, man. Like, he's been hurt his whole career, him and his unibrow, man. That sucks for LeBron because he's an old man. He needed anything else. So his is my theory. Lakers going to blow up their team. Uh, Lonzo Ball will come back to L.A., right? Lonzo will come back. Uh, I think that somebody, I think Chris Paul is going to go to the Lakers as well. I think Carmelo might go to the Lakers, and it's going to be like everybody on that old banana boat plus some new people is going to be that for LeBron James. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's that's that has to happen. Uh, the next one, uh, so that, how's marriage life? Marriage life is great, man. It's freaking amazing. These taxes are better anyways, man. In New York City, they, they freaking penalize you for being single. But now, baby, <laughs> shout out to the government, baby. The government will take care of you. Uh, ooh, I, I did read this. This is from uh, Dude Ain't Charles. How did I feel about uh, Vanessa Bryant's uh, tweet? I think it's amazing that Vanessa Bryant has really taken the reins of the Bryant legacy, and I know that you can tell that she was, she's just like Kobe, you know, just like Kobe. So what happened was, uh, I'll read her statement. Uh, this is a shoe. So what's pretty much the background story is that she made a shoe designed for her daughter, uh, for uh, her daughter, her daughter, Natalie. I mean, my bad, Gianna. So Gianna, you know, if you don't know, rest in peace. Sometimes I have to realize, like, dang, it's been almost over. Dang, Kobe and his daughter are completely gone, man. But So she designed a shoe for her daughter Gianna, right? She designed a shoe for a shoe Gianna with Nike. And recently Nike and uh, the Bryan family did not want to renew the contract. So she said, okay, cool, she's going to take her talents elsewhere. So what happened was there's a shoe that popped up of Gianna's sneaker that she made. And Vanessa Bryan said, this is a shoe that I worked on in honor of my daughter Gianna. It was going to be called Mamacita. The shoe was exclusive black and white color, a colorway on her daddy's shoes. I picked the colors to honor her uniform and the number two she wore just like her uniform. The inside pattern, Kobe and Gigi on the back, and the gold instead of Kobe's signature on the inside shoe entails the butterfly wings halo. Wow. The Mambacita the shoes are not approved for sale. I wanted to be sold in honor of my daughter with all the proceeds benefiting to the Mambacita sports Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation, but I did not resign with Nike contracts and decided not to sell the shoes. The Mambasita shoes were not approved to be made in the first place. Nike has not sent these pairs of shoes to me and my girls. I did not know how someone else has their hands on these shoes. I designed them in honor of my daughter Gigi, and we Gigi, and we don't, and we don't. Excuse me. Hold on. Let me read it. I designed. I designed in honor of my daughter Gigi, and we don't. And I hope these shoes do not get sold at Nike. Come on, girl. The Nike, you gotta, you gotta cut the check, brother. You gotta do, you gotta do what's right, man. Shout out to that. You know what? It's 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 very. Only a woman. And this is how strong women are. Can carry a man's legacy. If that makes sense. JFK's wife had to carry his legacy. MLK's wife carried his legacy. Now Kobe, Kobe's wife is carrying his legacy. Like, you know, I feel like it's the opposite around. Sometimes dudes don't know when, like, when the female dies, some dudes don't know what to do. They just, you know. But it's amazing seeing her hold up the legacy, defending her daughter Gianna and that, man. And this is the last one before we get out of here. 
And this is just our Woody's Roundup. We're just wrapping up events. And then we got our, our time capsules coming up this Tuesday with my dear friend Sufa. Uh, the following week, we got my man Jed Cass. Jed Cass is a comedian out of London. And the following week, we have my girl Diamond, Miss Diamond Baker. So this little backstory. This is uh, this is a reporter asking Monique, what do you think? Um, how would she like her kids to remember her legacy? Let's listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. So good. And I'm so proud of you because you ask what matters. But through the stories he shared, that woman's raising me. And the way he speaks of his grandmother with such reverence and honor and this love that is so pure and beautiful. If my kids could speak half of that about me, that's the legacy. Oh. Mama, you cry. Uh, Mama, I didn't. Um, you okay? You know I'm a water about baby, but shit, because that's that's real, you know, and and you've been you've been the first person to say, not the world, because everybody would say, well, what you want? I don't that's their business. I don't I don't what they're gonna think is what they're gonna think. But for the ones that know me, the ones that I'm in it with day in and day out, and and you know they try my vegan meals, baby, and they look at their father like, please help, because we need pizza. She is really doing this wrong. Like, yeah. you know, that's what's important for me. It's important when my son say, if we don't have a marriage like y'all's, we don't want it. Dang, man. Let's get out of there. Uh, <clears throat> Moni's one of my favorite stand-up comedians, right? Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand how much comedy she inbreeds and how many people that she's helped. There was like a clubhouse Back when Clubhouse was, I don't know if people use Clubhouse now because we were outside and doing everything else. There was a Clubhouse where they go, does Monique deserve an apology? Because Dave Chappelle was protesting, getting everybody to protest. Does Monique, and Paul, does Monique need an apology? She owed an apology. And the whole cast from Starfall is up there. And the guy who plays the uncle gets up there and he tears up and he goes, Monique was the first person to get me into acting. He goes, I, would, I didn't know what to do. I was from Baltimore. And she goes, she talks to her manager. She goes, baby, get him a, a, a manager and get him in classes right now. And she paid for the class. There's been so many stories of comedians telling me, like, what Monique done for them. I think a lot of people forget, like, in the early 90s, like, Monique had a TV show for 100 episodes. Monique had that girl, like, Fat Girls and stuff like that. She had all this stuff. And I can't wrap up, you know, sum it up, but pretty much she, her and, uh, the execs, they say TP and Oprah, they had a, a falling out, right? And they actively blackballed her. The only thing I'm surprised about is TP, because Tyler Perry, that's my dog, right? I don't know him personally, but I got all of his DVDs. Shout out to everyone that got my wedding registry. We put the Tyler Perry DVDs for the people who don't have money to get something small. But um, she said that she used to support Tyler Perry in the beginning. And, you know, I think, you know, I would be upset if somebody recorded me, you know, an audio message. That's always mindful when I'm on the phone with people that people are probably recording me and stuff like that. However, you can tell that she's actively hurt. The only good thing is she's a stand-up comic, so she can depend on her craft. But it hurts when you get hurt by your own people, right? Like, as a black person, 
when another black person hurts you, it hurts worse because we hold our people to a higher standard, right? Like if somebody from another race hurts us, we're like, okay, whatever. We don't expect them. But when it's a black person that hurts you, it hurts because you expect them. You expect a level of respect from each other and you hold each other accountable more, you know? So especially like when black celebrities get in trouble, we're like upset because like we hold them to a, a different type of standard. But um, I implore everybody, if you if you're getting if you're vaccinated or whatever you believe in, you should literally go to Monique's comedy shows because she's hilarious. She's freaking amazing. Uh, that's how we're gonna end it. That's how we're gonna end it like that. Uh, that's pretty much what's happening. Uh, we want to say congratulations to Reggie Edwards, aka Reggie Cush. He was on episode twenty-five. He's making his HBO debut. Um, He's film, he filmed last night for HBO. That's my dog. He came back to New York City. He's been out there killing. Uh, we also like to give a shout-out uh, to our, our producer, Roland Doja, a.k.a. G-Double. Shout-out to my dog, Joe Sappho, a.k.a. a.k.a. Dr. Sappho. We hope that you I got to call him, freak. I got to stop. I got to call him. I ain't spoke to him in months. I got to call my dog. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Love somebody. Hug somebody and make sure you're making sure their day's better because we don't know what people are going through, man. If you see somebody on Instagram or Facebook that you're a friend that you that you know or anything else, just say what up. I hope all is well. And uh, congratulations to the homie Jalisa and her husband. They moved back to Japan. That's freaking amazing. She's half Japanese and shoot, she's back back in Japan. I I'm, I live through people's stories. I live through that. Like when I'm on the train doing stand up. And I'm not well. I did it on the train too. Like when I'm just, I'll just browse through people's stories. In the meantime, when I'm writing jokes, I'm like, wow. So congratulations to her in advance. This is the podcast. One man, one tree, and a hill. If you're free, ladies and gentlemen, every Wednesday night at seven o'clock, we do the show on the story party. We got tamales, cupcakes, whatever you want. We got it. And the show went from two people. Now it's at a hundred people every week. Uh, if you're on free on Thursday, I do a show called RPM. It's called Comedy Night Live. I do it with Mr. Matthew Benjamin. Then on Sundays, they have Belladonna Pizza. It happens at 7 p.m. in Astoria Park. And we have Nice One Comedy, which are random pop-ups. So definitely hit me up. Uh, my name is Jared Waters, two-time wrestling champ, stand-up comedian, uh, the host of this podcast, One Man, One Trina Hill. Have a wonderful day, wonderful night, wherever you are. Peace out. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I say, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, I, say, I just want to say, man, you the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. You gotta break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Said, uh uh, and I'm be the next Jamar neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.